Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. Again, we're in this uh, this series, and today's message is called "I Will Wait." And so today we are going to talk about waiting, and more specifically, and having hope, and what to do while you're waiting uh, on that which you hope to come. So stories inspire us, don't they? Stories of hope. We like those kind of stories. They they're, they're the ones they're the they're not the blockbuster kind of movies, but they are the ones that just touch us somewhere deep and inspire us. To, to different heights in our life. So what I'd like you to do is take 30 seconds, turn to your neighbor, and tell them your favorite story of hope. This could be a book, a movie, a TV series, anything like that, but turn, do that now. Your favorite story of hope. Go for it. All right, what are we hearing out there? What's somebody telling you? Forrest Gump? Rudy. Rudy. The Blind Side, yes. Great story. What is it? We are Marshall. We are Marshall. That's right. Ninja Turtles. <laughs> <laughs> certainly not a great story of hope, but certainly there is some hope. Hey, Josh, I'm getting a little bit of ringing or something. Just it's, if, it, if we can't fix it, I'll turn it off. What's that? No, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to be a turtle someday. Anybody else? Any other stories of hope? The Notebook. Okay. Cast away, cast away. That's a great story of hope. Hope is what kept that guy alive, right? Kept that FedEx package in nice, neat condition so he could deliver it someday, right? Talk about commitment to your job. What was it? The Fault in Our Stars. What's that? Pinocchio over here. Pinocchio, okay. Black. Okay, so these are all great stories of hope. Now, my favorite story of hope is, is one of those that, that you may not like it, but I know that you've seen it. It's timeless. And impactful. It's flawed and yet perfect. It's cherished and yet, when remastered, loathed. It begins like this A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, <laughs> it is the period of civil war. Rebel spaceships striking from a hidden base have won their first victory against the evil Galactic Empire. During the battle, hey, when you guys have your own show, you can do your own thing, okay? This is mine. <laughs> During the battle, rebel spies managed to steal secret plans to the Empire's ultimate weapon, the Death Star, an armored space station with enough power to destroy an entire planet. Pursued by the Empire's sinister agents, Princess Leia races home aboard her starship, custodian of the stolen plans that can save her people and restore freedom to the galaxy. Epic, right? Love movies like that. You guys probably didn't know that that's what that yellow scrawling was. Oh, those are words. Yeah, those are words. You probably never read it before. But it's in this story, and it's in this particular movie, the movie which was titled A New Hope, that we get this one little phrase. And we all know what it is. It's Princess Leia coming out of a, out of a little droid named R2-D2. And it's a digital image that you would figure in that day and age would have to have been much clearer. But she says what? Help me, Obi-Wan. You are my only hope. That's it. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. She placed her hope in a Jedi. Now, I'm not going to get into that whole story there, but, but hope is what, yeah, you're welcome. Hope is a powerful thing, right? 
Hope is, is what would, let, would lead Leah to put dangerous plans into action. Hope will keep her strong when she's tortured for information. Hope will give her the strength to fight back. Hope keeps her alive. And hope is a powerful thing. I want to take a look at what Jeremiah the prophet wrote. And by the way, if you need a Bible today, we have Bibles. We would love to give you one. If you do not own one, if you just put your hand up, one of our service hosts will put one in your hand so that you have a Bible from here on out. But the, the verses will also be up here on the screen. We are going to be in Lamentations. This is chapter 3, verses 19 through 26. It says, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. In other words, help us, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You're our only hope. Uh, that fell flat for a service, too. I thought I'd try it out. Well, <laughs> but I would say that, that in order to understand the kind of hope that we're talking about today, There's two different kinds of hope. The first kind is a cultural kind of shaping of hope and the way that we understand it. Culturally, hope is merely an optimistic desire that something will be fulfilled, right? This hope is not a guaranteed hope because it's subject to changeable people and circumstances. Now, I hope when I order a pizza online (laughs) that it arrives in 30 minutes. If you do it online with Pizza Hut, they've even got a timer. It, like, clocks down. Your pizza will be there in 30 minutes or 45 minutes. And you can watch that time. You hope that that's right. I hope that my children will obey me and heed my warnings when they are out in the world. I hope that doctors will know what to do with my sick child. I hope I can do better next time. I hope that my boss recognizes all the time and hard work I've been putting in at the office. But these are all worldly hopes. Hopes that are placed in flawed things. Bosses, children, science your personal abilities, and pizza delivery guys. Webster defines hope as desire accompanied by expectation of or belief in fulfillment, to desire with expectation of obtainment, to expect with confidence. But there's another definition of hope. The first one is when we hope in flawed things, we don't always get what we want. The pizza's not always delivered on time. The doctors don't always know what to do. Your boss doesn't always see all that you're doing in You don't always do better next time, do we? We want to. We hope we will. But there is a biblical hope, and biblically, hope is an optimistic assurance. An assurance, not just a desire, that something will be fulfilled. This hope is a guaranteed hope that is not subject to change, but rather anchored in our unchangeable God and his promises. In other words, hope is happy expectation of good because God said he would. For those of you that tweet, you just missed your opportunity. Here it is. I'll give it to you again. Hope is happy expectation of good because God said he would. It even rhymes. It's so easy to remember. There are several characters throughout the Bible that give us a window into their thoughts and into their, their processes as they're going through trials and tribulations and difficult things. And we find that with King David, with Job, and Paul the Apostle, from their lives we see over and over where hope misplaced leads to doom and gloom in their lives. 
But when it is placed in God, their situation always changes. It always changes. David calls out in Psalm 119, My soul faints with longing for your salvation, but I have put my hope in your word. Psalm 71, he says, But as for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. Now, David's one of these guys, he bellyaches. When you read the Psalms, there's, there's beautiful things in the Psalm. These are all poems and songs that he written. But more often than not, when I read it, I get, I get really depressed. I'm like, Lord, why am I reading this, this stuff? It's just drivel to me. He's just complaining. He's whining about his circumstances and his world. But oftentimes with David, what's important is not in the complaining. It is important that you see him complain, but it's also important that you see his shift. Because there's this little word that we see. It's called sila or selah. I'm not even sure how to pronounce it. We're not even really sure what the meaning is. We assume it's a musical notation to pause. And so when he's complaining, we see this selah. And he stops and he thinks for a moment. And what follows after that is always a shift. David realizes that he has placed his hope in his army, hope in himself, hope in his surroundings, and his own strength to do things. And that it's been misplaced. And he needs to place it in God. And so you always see his attitude shift. That wasn't even in my notes. That was just for free for you guys. So you can understand Psalms and understand David. But, but there's that, that moment. And it's good for us to see that a man after God's own heart, that's how the Bible describes him. That's how God described David. Went through some situations and he whined and complained about it. But he could stop and have hope again. And Paul in Romans 5, 3 through 5 says, We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Now, look, you can't read the Bible. You have to read the Bible, okay? You need to understand, when I read verses like that, I I stop and I cock my head to the side like a puppy dog hearing a strange sound, and I go, say what? Read what that says. We can rejoice too. Not when there's a party, not when things are going well, but when we run into problems and trials. Now, can I ask you this? When is the last time you got into a car accident and you pulled out a little party popper and went, that's awesome, pop, that's amazing, When's the last time you got sick and you wanted to throw a fiesta? But this says when we run into problems and trials, we get to rejoice? That's weird. You have to think about it. Here's what comes next. For we know they help us develop endurance. Ah, so there's a purpose in our trials. That's why we can rejoice. It doesn't mean that the trial is any fun. It just means that we know there's a purpose. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. Why? Because it's placed in God. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So let me ask you today, as I almost fall, are you feeling disoriented today? If you are, you're just like Job. Job is a guy who had it all. He was wealthy. He had cattle. He had children. They were beautiful. He had a wife. He had servants. And all within a span of like a few, I don't know, paragraphs. Job loses everything. His children all die in a a tragic accident. A roof crashes in on him. His cattle all fall over dead. His servants get killed. He loses it all. And in the process, his wife, she rejects him as well. Here's a guy who goes from having it all. Now, I don't know if you've ever gone from having it all to having nothing. If you have, maybe you can relate to Job. And Job spends the next 40 chapters or so whining and bellyaching about what he's possibly done to have all this happen to him. 
And then there's a shift. But Job calls out, maybe you're disoriented because when you lose it all, you're like, what just happened? And he cried out, where then is my hope? Who can see any hope for me? Maybe you found yourself saying the same thing. And you're like Job. Or maybe today you're drifting. You're like Isaiah called us. He said, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each one has turned to its own way. Instead of following the way, Jesus, we've gone after following our own way. You're drifting. You've lost hope. Or maybe you're in despair. Oh, despair is a horrible place to be. When all hope is lost. It's like that moment with Jack and Rose. and She's on the, on the plank and he's there. She tells him, I'll never let go, Jack. I'll never let go. And she lets go. It's despair. That's that moment. There was plenty of room on that plank. Jack could have got up there with her. You know what I'm saying? It was in despair. It looked bleak, guys. It seemed like there were plenty of boats around him he could have swam to. Is it just me or did James Cameron do a bad job at that? Jeez. <laughs> that didn't look that bleak to me. This is the producer, the guy who made the movie, sorry. Could have been on that boat. But when you were in despair, even Paul called out in despair. He said, we were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired even of life. There are so many hope crushers in this world. If you're going through despair, if you are disoriented or drifting, you've probably experienced one of these hope crushers. You've been deceived or disliked, dejected, downcast and deprived, disqualified or degraded, detached or doomed and damned, drained, debilitated, disinterested, defeated, disgusted, disconnected, displaced or distraught, discouraged, doubtful, and full of disappointment. You'll feel like Job. I wonder if you've ever felt like Job. You say, well, Aaron, I've had some situations, but I've tried to have hope. But you're like Job. He said, when I hoped for good, evil came. Anybody ever have that? You say, Aaron, I've tried to hope. I've, I've tried to place my hope in God. But when I do, more bad stuff happens. Job continues, when I looked for light, then came darkness. And yet, no matter, I have to tell you this, no matter what we experience in the past, we need to know that hope is a wonderful gift from God, a source of strength and courage in the face of life's harshest trials. It's not an option. It's essential to our faith. There's an old poem called The Old Fisherman's Letter. I'll I'll read it to you now. I think it sums up the power of hope succinctly. I know you're not supposed to read in a format like this, but just hang in here with me and pay attention. When we are trapped in a tunnel of misery, hope points to the light at the end. When we are overworked and exhausted, hope gives us fresh energy. When we are discouraged, hope lifts our spirits. When we are tempted to quit, hope keeps us going. When we lose our way and confusion blurs the destination, hope dulls the edge of panic. When we struggle with a crippling disease or a lingering illness, hope helps us persevere beyond the pain. When we fear the worst, hope brings reminders that God is still in control. When we must endure the consequences of bad decisions, hope fuels our recovery. When we find ourselves unemployed, hope tells us we still have a future. When we are forced to sit back and wait, hope gives us the patience to trust. When we feel rejected and abandoned, hope reminds us we're not alone. We'll make it. When we say our final farewell to someone we love, hope in the life beyond 
gets us through our grief. When life hurts and dreams fade, nothing helps like hope. So I have to ask you today, are you feeling hopeless or have you ever felt hopeless? You know, there are no hopeless situations in life. None. Whatever it is you're going through, it is not a hopeless situation. There are only people who have grown hopeless about them. When zealous religious leaders sought to kill the Apostle Paul, he appealed to Caesar and then wound up being a prisoner, being sent to Rome. And he wound up shipwrecked. And he said that they all believed that they would die and it was hopeless. In Acts 27, 20, he says, When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Hope is something you can give up. The good news is, is if you have given up hope, you can turn to hope today. When we lose hope, we lose our faith. Hebrews describes, or the verse in Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. If you have no hope, you have no faith. And faith is what is required to please God. And so we have to have hope. We cannot lose hope. So how do we keep hope? The very nature of hope means that, that there is something coming, something we don't already have, something we long for around the bend. So we keep our face, or keep our pace, we set our faces like flint, and we hold on. And we wait for that which we hope. But waiting doesn't mean just sitting around. There's a saying that says, life isn't about waiting out, waiting out the storm. It's about learning to dance in the rain. Right? So today, we're talking about what do we do while we wait? While we have hope, if you've lost hope, you can regain it again. We'll pray at the end of, of service today, and you can repent and turn back towards hope. But if you've been holding out for hope and it's getting difficult, I'm going to share some things with you you can do while you wait for that which you hope for. The first thing you can do is while you're waiting, be assured with hope that God is there. There are two qualities of God. One's called omnipotent. The other is called omniscient. The first one, omnipotent, means omnipresent, means he's everywhere. He's everywhere. There is no place that you can go that God is not. David said in Psalm 139, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. God is everywhere. Hebrews 13.5 describes God and says, He will never leave you, never will I forsake you. This is the God we have. Anybody ever had somebody leave you in your life? If you understand the hurt and the pain of that, you need to understand that God will never leave you because he can't. You are literally in him. Now, I remember this. This was like, this like messed with my head when I was a kid. And I read this verse. There's other verses that say, in God we live and move and breathe and have our being, right? When I first heard that verse, I thought, man, like I'm, I'm swimming in God right now. This is what I'm doing. Like I'm moving in him. I'm breathing him in right now. I went to sit down on the pew, you know, at the church. And I said, I'm sitting on him right now. That's kind of weird. That's a little awkward. And then it got a little more awkward when I realized that if I can never escape God, he goes to the bathroom with me as well. And I'm like, oh, man, this is just, like, awkward. Like, what do you want to do in there? Can't you, like, can't you, like, stop your presence, like, right here at the door, Lord? Why do you have to? Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> but God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. He'll never leave us. And we, when we, we combine that with the idea that God is omniscient, omniscient means he is all-knowing. 
Hebrews 4.13 says he knows about everyone, everywhere. Everything about us is bare and wide open to all seeing eyes of our living God. Nothing can be hidden from him. Look, not only is, is, is God described as being everywhere, but he knows everything. He's not like you and me. We can be in a physical place, but miles away. You ever experienced that with somebody before? They're sitting right next to you, but they're gone. They're thinking about something at work. They're thinking about a conversation they had earlier. Maybe they're sitting there Facebooking. I don't know. They're there with you, but they're not there with you. They have no idea what you're going through. They're not really connected to you. They're just there. And it would be great just to know that God is there with you, that omnipresence. But when you combine that with his omniscience, you get both of them. You get God who is with you and knows you. You ever hear, you ever said this about somebody? They were there with me through that bad time. He was with me through that bad time. They were there for me. Why do we say that? It's not that they were there for you 24-7. It's that they were there for you. They were in that moment when you were going through pain. They were there with you with their arm around you saying, man, this sucks. I'm sorry. They loved you. They made sure you weren't alone. They called you to check on you. Maybe they brought you a meal or I, I don't know. Somebody was there for you. In God, we have, we have someone who is there for us and there for us. He knows what you're going through. He knows when you cry, he's there. When you rejoice, he's there. When you step on a Lego and, man, that is painful, he is there. He is ever-present and actually there. The other thing we can do while we are waiting is be assured with hope that God is never late. So we talked a little bit about Paul. There's a, there's a situation where Paul gets himself in a little bit of trouble, he and Silas. And uh, the religious leaders at the time grab him, snag him up, and he says, hold him in this jail cell for the night. We're going we're, we're to deal with him in the morning. And they were told just to put him in the prison. The, the, the jailer was told just to put him in the prison. But what he did was he put him in stocks and bonds. Now, this is not like what you imagine you go to Cedar Point, right? And they've got those things where you can put your arms through and your head through and look up and smile. Hey. This is not like one of those. This, a stocks, the actual stocks that they would have used, and one scholar says it was this way. I'll tell you what the other one said here in a second. But the one scholar says that they would have been put in such a position that they would have been in excruciating pain, that they would have had muscle spasms, and that they would have been, been hurting. They would have had to lift themselves up to avoid the pain or to contort their bodies in order to not be hurting. And it would stay that way for as long as they were in the stocks. It was torture. Other scholars say that the, the prison that they would have been put in would have been one of the lower prisons where they would have been in waste up to their chest. The scene is like this. It's like Paul sitting there telling Silas, hey, Silas, don't touch that. That's not a baby Ruth. Either way, either one of these scenarios is not a scene that I would want to be in, either in waste or in stocks and bonds. But we pick up the scene, and they're in this jail cell. And the verse starts off like this. Note how it starts. About midnight, one quite midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And I told you, when I read verses like this, I go, say what? Because we know their situation. We know what they're enduring. And they're praying and singing to God. Curious individuals, aren't they? 
they must know something that everybody else didn't know. And the other prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. So while you're waiting with hope, you can know that God is never late. When God decides to show up in your life, in your circumstances, it is always right on time. Even though you think it's late, it was about midnight for these guys. Just about midnight when God shows up. The other thing you can do while you're waiting is be assured with hope that God knows best. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things that God is going to work that out for the best for those who love and serve him. We know that's what it says. All things includes what? All things. That means no matter what it is you are going through, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how hard it is, how unfamiliar it is, God will use that situation to bless you in some way, shape, or form. It doesn't mean you have to understand it right then and there, but God will use it. So while you're waiting... You can be assured with hope that God knows best, that he has a purpose, that he has a plan for you. Like he says in Isaiah, this plan of mine is not what you would work out. Neither are my thoughts the same as yours. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than yours. When we can acknowledge that God's ways are not ours, that he's got a plan that maybe we don't understand, we can keep hope. The last thing you can do while you're waiting is be assured with hope that God cares and will bring you through. James 5.11 says, You've heard, of course, of Job's staying power, and you know how God brought it all together for him at the end. That's because God cares. Cares right down to the last detail. It is impossible for that man to despair who remembers that his helper is omnipotent. In the story of Job... Job not only came through the whole situation after getting boils and being afflicted in his personal body, having dogs come and lick his wounds and scraping them with a pot, good shards of pot, it's disgusting scenery, but it's there, it's in Job, read it. Job comes through the other side and God blesses him with children, blesses him with cattle more than he ever had, blesses him with more servants and more money after he came out the other side because God cares and he saw him through it. So what am I telling you? All these things point to one thing. A relationship with God. And that hope is only found in a relationship with God. So you can know all these things about God but if you don't go from knowing them to knowing them, you won't have hope. See, I can know Will Reed. I can know this guy over here. I can know much about his family. I can know of his faithfulness. I can know about his wife, who's an incredible cook. Will makes an incredible cheesecake, which I've not tasted yet. I've only heard about it. But know that someday I, I desire to experience said cheesecake. And so I will tell people, I've heard he makes a great cheesecake. But buddy, after I've had some of that cheesecake, I go from knowing to knowing he's got a good cheesecake. You know what I'm saying? It's a different kind of knowing. It's a different kind of knowing, isn't it? 
It's a personal experience. And you can't take that away from me. I don't care if you try cheesecake and say that it's crap. If I enjoy it, it, the, the, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. He's going to go home and make me a cheesecake today. You don't have to. It's okay. What's that? I've heard. I've heard it's pretty good. That's why I called you out on it. But it's the same with God. Until we engage with him in knowing him, going from knowing him to knowing him, we can't have hope because it's only found in relationship. And that's in that experience of him. Romans 15, 13 says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, we have a a couple here that uh, have been attending Simple Church almost since since the very beginning. Is that about right, Ryan? Yeah. And uh, Ryan and Mary Harris, a few weeks ago, almost six weeks ago now, July 21st, got into a car accident. And it's not like a normal car accident. If you've ever been in a car accident with a semi, your entire life flashes before your eyes. And Ryan wasn't alone in that car. They were coming back from a trip to Michigan, which I don't know why you go to that state anyway. But um, anyway. <laughs> O-H? That's right. So he's coming back from Michigan. And uh, on his way back, they get into an accident with a semi. What kind of car was that, Ryan, that you were driving? Nissan Altima, 2009 Nissan Altima. And uh, the insurance came and looked at the car, and they, they determined that the car was totaled. If you saw pictures of it, you'd wonder how each and every one of his family members, his wife and his two children, made it out of the car without any kind of cuts or dings, maybe some bruises and some sore muscles, right? Yeah. And they walked away from that experience. And the insurance went to pay for the car to pay it off because it was totaled. But, you know, they always undervalue it a little bit and so on Ryan's car loan there's this gap now a bill that he's paying for a car he doesn't have and in the middle of a bad situation Ryan and Mary say Lord we trust you this stinks thank you that we all made it through it we know there's a plan somewhere we're just looking for you to reveal that then they get the bill insurance doesn't pay it all the way situation went from bad to worse Situation got better because Mary's brother said, hey, you can use my car for a while. I'm not using it, and I can ride with my girlfriend to work. Situation goes from okay to worse when he loses his job and now needs his car back. And they're back to one car family. All the while going, God, I don't understand. All the while being faithful. All the while continuing to serve. All the while not missing a single Sunday morning, and not that's, that it's what it's all about, but you understand what I'm saying. When you can slip into depression, you pull away from community, you pull away from people, but that's not what they did. They honored God with their lives and their story and said, I don't know where this is going to take us, but we trust you. Ryan got a phone call yesterday. This wasn't even planned in my notes. It's just amazing that God gives, gives me things like this on days that we're going to talk about hope. Because they placed their hope in God. And Ryan got a peculiar phone call that was out of the blue. And on the other, line, other end of that phone line, a man tells Ryan that in about 10 days, what, what's being delivered to you in 10 days, Ryan? 2015 Nissan a 2015 Nissan Altima. 
Hey, Ryan, how much are you going to have to pay for that 2015 Nissan Altima? Zero. You're not paying a dime? How about your insurance? Being covered too. Interesting. Interesting. Now, am I telling you if you get in a car accident that God's going to give you a new car? Nope, don't hear me say that. I'm not telling you that this is a formula to get rich. Look, when God chooses to act, he acts the way that he had planned to bless you, no matter what that looks like in your life. For Ryan and Mary, they were blessed with a brand new car. They were making a car payment. And in the midst of that, you say, what's going on, God? He has plans to bless them. And every situation that we face is the same. God has a plan to bless us. And it's okay. I think it's human nature to complain and fuss like David did, like King David. But it's important to take that moment, that selah, that, that shifting of your focus and say, where am I placing my hope? Is my hope in God? That assurance, that happy expectation of good because he said he would. That all things would work out for my benefit. Am I doing that? Pray. Bow your heads. If you're here today and you've placed your hope in something other than God, if you've placed it in your abilities, you've placed it in family and friends and man in general, whatever you've placed your hope in that is other than God today, you have the beautiful opportunity to repent. And when we hear these words, repent, we think, oh, that's such a horrible thing, but it's not. It is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Today, if you find yourself disoriented, you find yourself disconnected, you find yourself despairing, no hope, you can turn to the one and only God who can give you hope. So if you're here today and you feel, Aaron, I've known hope and I've lost it. And I have to tell you this, I'll confess to you that as I prepared this message and revisited it this week, I identified in my life why I'd lost hope. And today I'll be one of those ones in a moment when I say, raise your hand if you feel like you need to refocus and shift and place your hope in God again. I'm, I'm going to be one of those guys that says that's me because it is. So if that's you, would you join me in saying, I need to refocus, I need hope again. I've lost my hope. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Appreciate your honesty. It's hands all across the room. I join you in that, in that bold statement of repentance. Then there are others of you, you say, I've never known hope, Aaron. I've gone my entire life without it. I don't know this God that you're talking about. I don't know how to gain access to him. But today you can, you can begin that walk through a simple prayer of acknowledging Christ, Jesus. Accepting his gift of his death, his burial, his resurrection. That salvation that he provided through that. You can accept that today. If that's you and you would like to accept the gift of salvation that comes only through Jesus. And enter into full relationship with God today. If that's you, if I'm talking to you, would you raise your hand and let me know that you're here? awesome father i thank you for the beauty of this day not not because it's beautiful outside because it's it's pretty crummy but the beauty of this day lies in the opportunity to repent to turn 
back to you. I know in my week that I've felt helplessness and hopelessness. I look forward to a new week, God. A new week where my hope is placed in you. And so I pray for each and every individual that was willing to say, that's me, no matter how long they have been hopeless, no matter how long they have let go of hope, that in this moment today you would turn their hearts back to you. Lord, that we may find hope. And in having that hope, the strength to carry on, no matter what our circumstance is, no matter what's going on, to place hope in you, that you care for us, that you're never late, that you are there with us through it all, and that you will get us through it. And that through it all, you'll bless us. You'll build character in us. You'll give us joy for the journey and peace that no one else will understand. Lord, we need that kind of hope. And that's only found in you. So today we turn our hearts to you, confess our need for you to be our hope. God, we just, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your promise. We thank you for your assurance that you will work all these things out for us in our benefit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.